want to welcome you here this evening on our very special Monday, Thursday service. A special welcome to um, all of the kids, all the students who will be celebrating their first communion tonight. And welcome to your family and friends. This is a really special night with a really funny name, Monday, Thursday. I mean, how many times did you use the word Monday when you're on spring break this last week, right? Kind of a strange name, but it actually comes to us from the Latin, the Latin word that means mandate or commandment. It's because on this night that Jesus gives his disciples a new commandment when they're celebrating the Passover supper together. And as the kids learned in the first communion class, Passover is a celebration of God rescuing his people. And that's really the story of God through all of history. We see this pattern in the Bible that God created everything good, but people forgot God. And when we forget God, bad things happen. We get hurt. And when you're hurt, you cry out. And God hears us. And then he saves us. And so we learned in the uh, first communion class about the greatest rescue story in the Old Testament, the story of the Exodus. Because God's people, the Israelites, were slaves in Egypt. And they cried out. And God heard them. And God sent Moses to them to lead them out of Egypt into the promised land. But Moses had a problem. His name was Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the leader of Egypt. And Pharaoh didn't want to let the slaves go. I mean, who else would stay around to do all the dirty work? Pharaoh wasn't going to collapse his economy. So Pharaoh told Moses, I'm not going to obey your God. And so God, in order to show Pharaoh that Pharaoh was weak and God was strong, sent the plagues to try and change Pharaoh's mind. And so God turned the Nile River into blood. He sent frogs and gnats and locusts and sickness and hail, and darkness. And Pharaoh said, doesn't matter to me. I'm not going to obey your God. And then God told Moses, I am going to do something that will absolutely convince Pharaoh to let my people go. God said, I am going to send the angel of death. And the angel of death will kill the firstborn at every house in Egypt. But God had a plan to rescue his people. God told his people to go ahead and take one of the lambs. You guys want to go ahead and thank you. Lambs and sacrifice it. And God told the people to take some of the lamb's blood and smear it on the top and the sides of the door frame. And if you do this, when the angel of the death comes... The angel will pass over your house that has the blood painted on it. That's how we get the word Passover. The angel of death will pass over so that the people inside would live. The blood of the lamb would protect the people. And so the angel of death came. Pharaoh realized that he was weak. And he let the people go. And Moses led the people of Israel out from slavery in Egypt into the promised land and freedom. 
And God told his people, I want you to remember this. I want you to remember how I saved you from slavery. And so every year, I want you to gather with your family and separate this Passover meal. And so for thousands of years, our Jewish friends and neighbors have gathered and they would tell the story of the Exodus. They would have a special meal. They would eat things like bitter herbs and fruits and nuts and matzah. They would pray special prayers and they would remember how much God loved them because God rescued them. Now Jesus was a good Jew and he followed those good Jewish traditions. And so he wanted to gather with his friends on Passover to celebrate. But this Passover was just a few hours before Jesus would be arrested. Jesus knew that in just a few hours, he was going to be dead. Think about that. What would you do? What would you say? What people would you want around you if you knew you only had a few hours left to live? Well, I'd want to gather my family around me. I'd want to tell stories. I want to tell the stories about how I fell in love with my husband, about our wedding, our honeymoon, our first home, our first jobs together, the vacations that we took, the hiking trips, the fun we had, the friends we had. I want to tell the girls about the day they were born, watching them grow up, being a mom, the good, the bad, the ugly of that their first steps, watching them in school, the silly games we would play together, the bike rides, the picnics, celebrating Thanksgiving and Fourth of July. I want to tell them I love them. I'm proud of them. That I am a better person because I knew them. I would want them to know what was most important to me, my values, my hopes for their future. I would want them to know in the very cells of their very beings how much I love them. And Jesus wanted to spend this Passover with the people he loved, the people he had lived with for the last three years. He wanted to eat the traditional foods, he wanted to pray the traditional prayers. But Jesus did something unexpected. Jesus deviated from the script. We read in John chapter 13. If you would read with me. This PowerPoint doesn't like me today. Let's try again. All right, let's try again. John chapter 13, if you would read with me. Now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Love each other, Jesus said. Now, if you've been around church at all, you know we talk about love a lot. And you can say, yeah, you know, love, that's good. Um, I kind of like that idea. Um, I'm all for love. But I don't want you to miss this tonight. How radical Jesus is on this night. Because he's writing a new story you know, the old story was, in order to be in God's family, you had to be Jewish. 
And tough luck if you picked the wrong parents. Now, if you wanted to become Jewish, you could convert. Guys, you'd have to be circumcised. You'd have to eat different foods. You'd have to wear different clothes. You'd have to live a different way. But Jesus was exploding this old story. He was exploding how the Jews understand who God loved and who is in and who is out. Because the old story was, is you were in if you were a Jew and out if you were a Samaritan. If you're rich, you're in. If you're poor, you're out. If you're healthy, you're in. If you're sick, you're out. If you're a priest, you're in. If you're a shepherd, you're out. If you're a man, you're really close to God. If you're a woman, you're farther from God. But what Jesus was doing is he's turning this upside down. He's writing a new story. He's giving a new commandment. And he's not just telling his disciples what this commandment is. He's going to show them. He's going to demonstrate what it is. Jesus washes feet. This new commandment, this new commandment love that Jesus gives us is a love that serves. Jesus is going to wash his disciples' feet. Now remember, at the time of the Bible, there were no sidewalks. The streets were not paved. So the streets were just dust and dirt. And a lot of them were open sewers. Now, I grew up on the farm. And on the farm, we had three sets of clothes. We had our school clothes, we had our church clothes, and we had our chore clothes. And our chore clothes didn't come inside. And believe me, our chore shoes and boots never came inside. So I can understand why the people who had to wash feet in Jesus' time were the lowest of the low. They were the Gentile slaves. No good Jew, no teacher, no leader, no rabbi would ever wash anybody's feet. I get this. Um, because I would try and coerce my little brother to scrape the manure off my chore boots. Didn't work real well. Mom was not happy with us. So you see, when Jesus washed feet, Peter was offended. Peter was so offended at what Jesus was doing that Peter said no, he refused. But Jesus insisted. He insisted because Jesus wanted to show his disciples that this new commandment love is a love that means one person is not better than another person. And this isn't the first time that Jesus is trying to teach his disciples this. Jesus has said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. He taught, you should become like little children who have no power. And so when Jesus demonstrated what this love actually looked like, everybody was so embarrassed. And I wonder if Jesus wasn't trying to break through their sense of superiority that his disciples, that we wear like a piece of armor. But Jesus said, this kind of love isn't just about talking the talk, but walking the walk. Jesus says, you know these things, now do them. I'm just fascinated by the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew 26, the events of Monday Thursday start to unfold. 
But if you go back just one chapter into Matthew chapter 25, the last parable that Jesus, that Jesus teaches his disciples before Monday, Thursday starts is the parable of the sheep and the goats. Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes to judge the world, meaning himself, I'm going to separate the sheep from the goats, the people who are going to be in the kingdom with me and the people who are not. Now, people thought that the way that they would get in with God is, you know, go to the right church and worship the right way and, and understand theology the way that I understand theology. But that's not what Jesus said in Matthew 25. Jesus said, the people that will come into the kingdom with me are those who feed the hungry, who give the thirsty something to drink, who welcome the stranger and the foreigner, who care for the sick, who clothe the naked, who visit the prisoners. Jesus did not say, serve those who you think deserve it or who are the right kind of people or who are your, your same social class or the same political persuasion. Students did not deserve to have their teacher wash their feet. But that's exactly what Jesus did. And we try and emphasize here at Hope that sharing with the world around us means serving the world around us, regardless of the circumstances. As many of you know, our Lenten project this year, Home of Hope, is us partnering with Ruth Harbor, a local ministry, to buy a home for the women that they serve, women who are facing unplanned pregnancies, so that they can give them a boost, get them started on the right path of parenthood. We also work with Meals from the Heartland to feed the, feed the hungry, whether it's here in our own community or across the world. Thursday nights, we do outreach night, and we offer, offer clothing for people who have need. We partner and visit the sick, whether they're in the hospital or at home. We're working with Elam Church, which is downtown, so that we can break down those barriers of race and work towards reconciliation. That's just a small sample of what's possible here. But what if? What if every time each one of us saw a need, we filled it? What if every time our heart hurt for someone or something, we did something about it? What if we really tried to work for justice and didn't wait for somebody else to do that? Be love in action. It would be love in action. And imagine what our community would look like. Imagine what our world would look like if we did that, if we really loved as Jesus loved. We don't have to search very far to do stuff. Jesus washed feet simply because they were dirty. We are called to serve simply because there is a need. And that brings us to today's Bible reading. We're going to go to the upper room where Jesus is gathered with his disciples for their Passover meal. And before we talk about what Jesus said, I want to pause and just ask, have you ever thought about who's sitting around the table? Well, Peter's there. Peter is probably still a little upset with Jesus because Jesus is still talking about this dying thing. And who wants to talk about dying on a special holiday? And when Jesus turns to Peter and says, Peter, before the night is over, you are going to deny you even know me, Peter says, oh no, Lord, I would rather die before I deny I know you. 
just a few hours later, when Peter had the opportunity to stand up for Jesus, he crumpled like a wet Kleenex and denied that he even knew who Jesus was. He denied Jesus three times. And who challenged Jesus? A servant girl. Peter folded before the least powerful person in Jerusalem. And Peter is at the table, even though he denied Jesus. Thomas was at the table. I love Thomas. Thomas was one who's always asking questions. He's the skeptic. Thomas is me. I am sure Thomas understood only a fraction of what Jesus ever talked about, and he certainly had no idea what Jesus was doing that night. In fact, Thomas was demanding proof even after the resurrection of who Jesus was. But Thomas was at the table, even though he doubted. James was sitting there. James was one of the sons of thunder who, who was so, uh, felt himself so skillful, was so confident in his abilities that he asked Jesus to be his prime minister when Jesus became king. And Jesus says, well, you know, James, um, this position is really kind of tough. I don't know if you can do what I can do. And James says, of course, Lord, I can do what you can do. I can suffer what you suffer. And in a couple of hours, when James saw what suffering really looked like, he turned tail and he ran. James was at the table, even though he deserted Jesus. Judas was there. Judas planned to betray Jesus in just a few hours. Judas was hoping that he would be able to use Jesus to his own ends for his own glory and power. I wonder if Judas thought he was kind of clever because he was going to turn Jesus' popularity in order to take down the Romans. Judas was there, even though he betrayed Jesus. And John was there. John, the disciple that Jesus loved. I'll bet John was just astonished at the conversation around the table. Conversation about betrayal and denial. And I'm sure John is thinking, hey, wait a minute. What about that, that comforting talk about the Father knowing every hair in my head? I'll bet John looked at his beloved teacher with eyes filled with love, with a really big dose of fear. John was at the table even though he was confused. Jesus was willing to share his last hours with people who would doubt him, who would deny him, who would desert him, who would betray him. Jesus was there with his best friends who would fall asleep three times when Jesus needed their support the most. He loved them, despite all of their failings. And he included them when he said, take and eat, all of you, each of you, take and drink. Tonight we're invited to the upper room as well, to be included in this love that Jesus is pouring out. And we're invited regardless of how we've behaved. Because if we're honest, we all have denied or doubted or been confused or deserted or betray Jesus at some point in time. But Jesus takes this meal and he's writing a new story. And he says this meal is no longer about being freed from slavery in Egypt. 
It's about how I'm going to rescue you from sin and from death. And that is for all of us. That includes all of us. And so that's one of the reasons why tonight on Monday, Thursday, we celebrate First Communion with the kids in our congregation because this includes them as well. And so parents, I want to say something to you tonight, especially. Say, good job. Good job for being here, for bringing your kids here. You know, as parents, a lot of times we don't get a whole lot of encouragement. Let's just be honest. Um, Parenting is hard. And we have to acknowledge we a lot of times fall far short of what we'd like to be. But what you're doing tonight is one of the most important things you will ever do for your children. You're sharing your faith. You're modeling what it means to follow Jesus. That's one of the greatest gifts that you will ever share with them. Sometimes I'm asked, um, how old does a kid have to be to do First Communion? I mean, aren't kids sometimes really too young to understand what communion is all about? And um, to be honest, I was one of those parents. I grew up in a tradition where you didn't take communion until after you had done confirmation, which was about, you know, eighth, ninth grade. And so years ago when our kids were small and they announced the first communion class, I'm thinking, oh, I'm I'm not sure about this thing. I, I don't think they really understand what's going on here. So I went to the first communion class and I sat there and I listened and I learned some things and I decided, you know, okay, this makes sense. So when our oldest daughter, Samantha, was in first grade, she did the first communion class and and took first communion. It was a really, really cool day. The next year rolls around, and the announcement at church is, we're going to have our first communion classes. Any child that you think is ready for first communion would love to have them sign up and everything. And, And our next daughter, Allie, was sitting by me, and she says, Mom, I want to do that. Well, she's in kindergarten at this point. And I looked at her, and because I'm such a wise mother, I said, honey, you know, oh, sweetie, that's really nice, but I think, you know, mommy thinks you're just probably a little bit too young. Let's wait a year or two so that you're older, and you'll understand it better then, honey. It really will be better. Well, this five-year-old looks at me, puts her hands on her non-existent five-year-old hips and says, well, the bread is Jesus' body and the wine is Jesus' blood. What else do you want me to know? Like I said, parenting is hard. But what she did is she forced me to ask the question, what else do you really need to know? When you think about it, what did Jesus' disciples really know at the night of the Last Supper? What do I really understand about communion even today? Jesus' disciples grew into their experience of Jesus and their understanding of Jesus because they experienced his love. Because they fell down and they got up again. Because they had times when their faith was strong and when their faith was weak because they ask questions and search for the answers. And that's what we all do. We continue to grow in this love that Jesus has for us. A love that includes others, 
that serves others, a love that would sacrifice himself on the cross for each of us. Now, if I could be transported back those years to when Allie, when Allie was a kindergartner, there is something that I think she should know. There is something that I would want to tell her that she would know in the very beings of, the very cell of her being, into every little particle of who she is. I would want her to know that Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you, honey. Jesus loves you so much that he died on the cross so that you could feel his love every moment of every day. And when you eat that bread and you drink that wine, you will touch and taste and smell his love and it will become a part of who you are. So honey, come with me and let's take communion together. Let's celebrate God's love together. Church, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. He loves you so much that he went to the cross to die for you so that you would feel his love every moment of every day. And when you eat the bread and when you drink the wine, you will touch and taste and smell that love and it will become a part of who you are. So let's together take and eat and celebrate this incredible love that Jesus has for us. Amen. Because this is a special night, because we are all included, we get to join at the table together. Because it was on the night that he was betrayed that our Lord Jesus took bread. He broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After the supper then, he took the cup. When he had blessed it, he gave it to them all to drink. And he said, take and drink. This cup is the new covenant, the new promise in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this for the remembrance of me. And because we are all included in God's family, we can pray together the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'd like to invite the communion servers and the ushers to come forward. When you come forward, you'll receive a piece of bread and you can dip that either into the light-colored um, grape juice or the dark-colored wine, whichever is your preference. And for those of you who have allergies, we have allergy-free stations here up at the front. The um, ushers will direct you forward, and if that's something that you need, please let the usher know, and they will get you into the right spot. 
And if you're asking yourself, am I invited? The answer is yes, you are. Because remember who sat at the table. You are invited, because this is for all of us. The table is set, come and eat.